Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 254 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Joined by my co-host, as always, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way. Adnan, how are you doing as we enter in at last to week one? Very pumped. You know, we uh, we have some football back. It is it is officially week one right now. We have we have injury report out. We have the Thursday night game tomorrow night. You know, fantasy drops. I'm assuming have have all been completed. And if if not, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's, it's Thursday night game tomorrow. But yeah, I'm uh, you know, I'm I'm very pumped, very excited. This is probably the most anticipated Falcon season we've had since at least 2018 yeah um so i'm and i'm very i'm very excited to uh to get the ball rolling and to hopefully come out of sunday with uh with our first record above 500 since 2017 yeah get those big dubs hopefully and joining us in excitement is aaron freeman at falc fans host of locked on falcons well as a contributor with us over at the falcoholic aaron how are you doing as we Get uh, get set here to finally start talking about real football. Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, coming down with a little bit of a cold. Hopefully, it clears up by the time we get to Sunday. But uh, you know, uh, I am not as down bad as uh, the Carolina Panthers receiver core. So you know, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get into that. And joining us just in time for his intro, actually, it's perfect timing by by Dave Choate here at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, how we doing? Doing great. You know, it's like 90 degrees here for no reason. I yep. love it. It's, it's not, it was 95 here today. It was gross. Uh, no. So, yeah. which is very busy because like literally before I left to go to Atlanta for, for con, it was like 65 and it was amazing. And then it was actually really cool in Atlanta too. Like it was like in the upper 70s and low 80s the whole time. Uh, and now everywhere seems to be, you know, just insanely yeah. hot. So we're dropping to the 80s uh, as our, as our high for you know coming up in the next few days and then down to the 70s so i'm I'm very excited about that yeah that's pumping spice weather oh yeah so guys we are here we're finally two week one the falcons are playing real football on sunday we will be facing the carolina panthers in the first game of the season first divisional game of the season as well with a chance for this team to finally get above 500 for the first time since 2017 and also the first opportunity for them to win a season opener coincidentally since 2017 so a lot riding on this game there's also that other very fun stat that i think uh rookie rookie first round quarterbacks or first overall picks or whatever it is are uh oh 13 one you know in their first game uh going in going in so you know not a lot of uh you know, positive stats going for the Panthers, but as we all know, the Falcons love to break well, streaks. Yeah. Falcons, Falcon, baby. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, which streak will get broken because the Falcons are breaking some streak uh, one way or the other on Sunday. And that is definitely going to be one of our topics today. Uh, but I also want to just pick the brain and get everyone's thoughts on sort of how they feel about the team. Uh, now that we're, we finally made it to week one, the state of things. So we'll, we'll take care of that. We'll talk about, Today's injury report, the first official look we've gotten at the status of some of these players coming off injuries. Thankfully, it's a short list. Uh, and yeah, we will dive into this Panthers game as well. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's kick it off because I, I haven't... Aaron, you and I talked, I think, for our fi- like semi-final roster projections uh, before the third preseason game. But not a ton of surprises really since, since then. We obviously had Isaiah Prince come in as the new swing tackle. Uh, but otherwise stuff pretty much seems to have, have gone according to our plans, but how, how are you feeling sort of with the, the final state of the roster going into this uh, week one matchup now? Well, Kevin, no part of my plan had Parker Hesse getting cut and going on the practice squad. So I just want to make that. That's clear. true. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, I got at least two good days of ranting content out of that unlocked on Falcons. So other than that, I felt pretty good about, uh, the Falcons' current state of their roster. I still have some concerns about, you know, some spots. Like, I, I'm not 100% sold on Trey Flowers as a fill-in starter at the cornerback position. 
but thankfully I don't think Carolina's the team that's going to really, you know, make that look bad or anything. So uh, for the most part, I think the Falcons are in a good spot going into the season. They're mostly healthy outside of that Jeff Okuda injury. We'll see what happens with, you know, Cordero Patterson and Mike Hughes as the rest of the week unfolds. But uh, for the most part, you, you, you like where they're at. I think, you know, we're just waiting to see, you know, the good players be good and, and some of the more questionable players, if they're going to step up, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to some of those good players like, uh, you know, Bijan Robinson, uh, you know, being good and making all my dreams come true. Yeah. Yes. I think we're all looking forward to Bijan Robinson making our dreams come true. That is definitely uh, one aspect of this offense that I'm excited to see. Dave, haven't gotten your take on the roster in Amina either. Curious if things sort of played out the way you thought they would, if there were any major surprises on your end uh, to how this team sort of was when we talked to you last time, sort of training camp early in the preseason all the way to now. How do you feel about this this roster uh, going into week one? Yeah, pretty good. Um, you know, honestly, I think most of it played out the way we expected. It was a harder roster to make, I guess, but that meant there weren't a ton of surprises either, aside from, again, Parker Hesse um, and Timothy Horn. Those uh, those were both surprises to me. I was also surprised um, that Jovan Gwynn made the roster, actually. Um, to me, I, I guess that's a really good sign for him, that they're, they're willing to hold a roster spot for him. They think he's worth having around in the here and now. Obviously, they like him long term, but um, that was that was really it for surprises, though. It's uh, It's a much better roster than it probably was a year ago. I, I think everybody agrees with that. And, and um, you know, we need a, a few things to, to break right, right? You need players, as Aaron alluded to, you need to see if Ritter can be all that you think he can be, if, if Matt Collins is more than um, a guy who can make catches barefoot, etc. So, you know, there, there is some uh, variability here. There is some wondering, but I think this is a pretty good team on paper. And I'm looking forward to them stomping Carolina week one, um, you know, statistical weirdness uh, or not. Yeah, some statistical weirdness is getting axed on Sunday. I just hope it's the one that we want. But, you know, one way or another. Yeah, Yeah. that would be a nice change. So um, they almost did it last year. They really should have. But we won't dwell on, you know, that any longer because it's a new season here. But. Adnan, just your, your your thoughts here as well, because I think the last time we talked about it was before the third preseason game. So anything surprise you? Anything um, move the needle for you on this team, basically from the end of the preseason to now? Um, No, not real. Like, it was some minor moves. Like, yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised that Timmy Horn got cut, although my guy Albert Huggins uh, made it. You know, shout out, shout out, Albert. Um. And yeah, I, I wasn't expecting Parker Hesse to be cut. Uh, the other thing was I was expecting the team to carry a fourth running back. So I was I was a little surprised that Godwin Igwebuike got cut, uh, especially because, you know, Cordero Patterson technically isn't a running back. He's now a joker. He's now the first team joker uh, yep. on the team. So, you know, if, if we are going by that, the running back wide receiver hybrid, then you only have two pure running backs uh, on the roster and Bijan and Tyler Algier. Um, but that's, that's all very minor, you know, those are all very minor things like, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's not like there was this, you know, earth shattering, like shocking move that, that they made. Um, and, you know, all of those guys that we mentioned, they're all on the practice squad. I doubt that it's the last we've seen of them. Uh, they may get elevated to the active roster at any point this season. Um, we'll see them next year in training camp. And, you know, one thing I I did mention afterwards, and it doesn't really matter like a lot, a lot, but it is nice to know that this practice squad is, I think, by far the best that this team has ever had, like w- without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is nice having those, you know, having those guys in there, uh, you know, practicing with, with the team throughout the season and to have those those options to where, you know, if you do suffer an injury, which, I mean, is inevitable, every single team is going to suffer in, injuries throughout the sport of football, you have you have some pretty reliable guys who can be elevated and who can fill those roles. Uh, 
Whereas, you know, in years past, you had guys on the actual 53-man roster who uh, absolutely didn't even deserve to be on an NFL team. But, you know, that just goes to show you just how, how much deeper this, this team is at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you, you bring up Timmy Horn, who seemed to have won the nose tackle job. And I think he technically did, but they just decided seemingly that they're not really going to bother with keeping that nose tackle on the active roster and it begs the question of like oh well maybe they will sort of save him as a practice squad elevation obviously for injury but possibly also you know if they know they're going up against a run heavy opponent maybe they activate him for that but I think Aaron I think it was you who talked about David Onyemata and his history as play, playing nose tackle not necessarily like beefy 340 pounds zero tech but like one tech for the saints and do you basically think that in situations where we need that one tech it's going to be david on yamada out there doing that yeah i think that's a, a real possibility I, I also don't think you can put it past grady jarrett playing that role because when they cut anthony rush last year it was basically like the next eight games where grady jarrett got the majority of those nose tackle snaps and if you go back to grady jarrett's early yeah. career you know he was supposed to be our version of brandon mebane uh, the old Seahawks nose tackle, and that's kind of where he played, especially even when we signed Don Terry Poe, and Poe was more of the three-tech and Grady was more of the one-tech. So I think if the Falcons, you know, push comes to shove, they have two players on their roster that can do that stuff. Maybe not two guys that you would say specialize in that stuff, like you would think uh, a Timmy Horn or uh, Eddie Goldman or or somebody like that, uh, you know, could potentially do. But I think they'll have more than enough bodies there to get by uh, in the meantime, if they need to make a roster move further down the road to get more of that sort of true nose tackle, as you say, elevate a, a Timmy Horn, you know, I, maybe not this week against Carolina, but maybe right. it makes a little bit more sense next week against Green Bay because, you know, you got to have somebody in the middle trying to stop uh, A.J. Dillon and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Green Bay definitely would make sense. Carolina with Miles Sanders. Just not as concerned about that. Uh, I think we, wide receivers are all dealing with their own injuries uh, from yeah, today's injuries. So they, they really run heavy. Yeah, no, it's been kind of wild to see that. That's definitely something that we're going to get to later in the show as we look ahead to sort of the injury reports with these teams. But um, yeah, I, I wonder also if it's like on the topic of the of the run defense. It's like they they have a guy like Calais Campbell who's so dominant as a run defender that maybe they feel like they can get away with not having that traditional, like big zero tech nose. Like they just don't need it. Like they can go with the guys that are maybe more well-rounded penetrator types, like an Yamada, a Grady Jarrett in that role and be totally fine because they know they can lean on a guy like Clayus Campbell playing that maybe three, four defensive end, you know, five tech sort of role and taking on two guys and, and they don't really need the nose tackle to do that then. So um, I think having a guy that good definitely definitely gives them some more flexibility with how they want to to organize that defensive line. But you definitely like all the guys in that group. And, you know, Joe Gaziano, the Gaz, uh, he made it as well. So shout out to my guy. Yep. Um, but, yeah, uh, we did just have a question coming from Brandon with the $2. Thanks so much, Brandon, man. Appreciate you. He says, thoughts on some of the practice squad swaps that happened today with offensive lineman Barry Wesley getting cut and then bringing back safety Lucas Dennis. I think I'm trying to remember. Was Lucas Dennis one of your guys, Aaron, or am I thinking of somebody else? Yeah, yeah, Dennis was one of my guys. Yeah, yeah. So, are you excited that he's that he's back in the fold now, officially? Or? Yes, yes, yes. I, I am. I thought his um, defensive, you know, other than Demarco Hellams, I thought he was probably the most impressive backup uh, for the defense. You know, I thought Michael Abernathy did a lot of good work on special teams. Um, and so I really like Dennis's coverage ability. And I think you you, you want to have another guy like that in the event of, you know, hopefully many, many weeks from now, months from now, uh, if, you know, Jesse Bates were was to get nicked up, uh, you know, I think Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins can do that job perfectly fine. But, you know, I thought Dennis did a lot of good things in coverage to be more of that sort of center fielder type of player, which would allow players like Hawkins and, and Grant to be utilized, I think, in better ways, which is usual, utilizing their versatility to line up in multiple places and, and having more of that. You know, I'm not going to say Lucas Dennis is on the same level as Jesse Bates, but let's say a poor, poor man's Jesse Bates sort of patrolling that deep half. And so having a having a player like that on your practice squad 
makes sense for the future. And then potentially, you know, assuming that Bates is healthy and, and we don't have to worry about that this season, you can maybe develop that into the future uh, moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I like that idea. And, you know, definitely a guy that I thought was going to make more noise in the preseason. He seemed like he got mostly stuck with the, the third, fourth string group in camp and then just didn't get a ton of opportunities. But I agree. He's sort of that guy. If they're looking for another true center fielder type, he's really the one that I think makes the most sense out of this group that they have. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like Parker Hesse definitely deserves a mention. Like, like you said, Aaron um, and Dave curious what you think. Cause that, I think that may have been the most surprising move of all was the, the, release of Parker Hesse, he does return on the practice squad, but given everything Smith had said about him all offseason, about him being so integral to the offense that they basically had to play him in the preseason uh, because they didn't have anybody else that could replicate what he did, now he's not even on the roster. What do you think about Hesse winding up on the squad at this point, Dave? I, I don't know. I, I kind of wonder if it'll end up being a short-term thing and he'll be elevated a couple times and, and wind up back on the roster. Um, I can't see Arthur Smith quitting him you know he's already lost one of the loves of his life in Felipe Frank so it's it's going to be really hard for him I think to go without Hesse for multiple weeks um to me even though he played a ton in preseason like I kept saying you know don't be ridiculous they're not cutting Parker Hesse because as you said he was an integral player they talked about him as though he was an integral player so I I think there's maybe a little bit of gamesmanship here and we will see him back. Um, I'm glad they were able to retain him because he still feels like an important player. Um, but I guess good for John Fitzpatrick too. Maybe he's uh, replacing Hesse in our hearts and minds, but uh, I'll need to, I'll need to see it happen first. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, John Fitzpatrick seems to offer more as a receiver, obviously as the more prototypical size, but has he offered that versatility in the backfield and stuff like that that we know they like? But again, they have a guy like Johnny Smith that maybe can do some of that stuff. They have Michael Pruitt, maybe could do some of that stuff. So maybe that was was what led to him being on the practice squad temporarily or otherwise. But uh, again, just another example of guys that were sort of core players on this team that now are have been relegated to the practice squad because of all the talent that's been brought in. So definitely uh, interested to see how that plays out at that position. Um, let's go ahead and, and move on to the injury report. Cause I know a lot of people are going to be wanting to know, uh, updates there. Uh, for those that haven't seen it yet, it's not a particularly long list for the Falcons, which is always nice. Uh, pretty much always <laughs> like no matter what you always want the injury report to be as short as possible. But so far, uh, the Falcons just have a couple guys on there and then I'll go through the Panthers as well. We've got four guys on the list for the Falcons on Wednesday, running back slash Joker, uh, Corderell Patterson limited with a thigh injury. This is believed to be the same injury that he that kept him out of practice uh, for the last few weeks of the preseason. Uh, Rob Cadero Hodge limited with the ankle. Uh, cornerback Jeff Okuda still not participating with his ankle, though Arthur Smith did say that he was close and that he wasn't ruled out for week one yet. I tend to think he's probably not going to play this week, but I think week two is definitely in play. Uh, and then Johnu Smith did not participate today, but that was supposed to be rest. And then notably, Mike Hughes does not have a designation. He was the other guy that had missed the last few weeks of the preseason. So um, just four guys on there. Nothing too scary at this stage. Obviously, we're hoping for the best for Okuda. Uh, and then hoping, obviously, that Patterson and Kaderil Hodge can can be back for this week. Um, but yeah, uh, this is a good time to talk about that weird Joker thing, uh, just because it's funny. And because I think it was definitely a topic of conversation. Adnan, I'm curious, do you think the Joker thing is just a bit or do you think it signifies anything meaningful? Um, I mean, I think that this is, it's obviously a bit like, yeah, you know, it's like it, it, it's, it's a 12th man. Like they're not going to play 12 players, but if anything, um, this sort of goes back to Arthur Smith's um, entire philosophy of, positionless football that he was telling us back uh, during training camp. I think it seems like with the drafting of Bijan Robinson, they're finally going to start doing what so, sort of what I was wanting them to do all of last year. And that's, you know, let Cordero Patterson just, you know, be a Swiss army knife on, on offense. And I, I think this is, this is the signaling of that. Like it, it's not going to be, 
you know, Cordero Patterson in the backfield taking a bunch of carries. Uh, we know that that won't work out long term. He's broken down each of the last two years from having too many touches uh, near the end of the season. He came out of, you know, Tennessee as a first round wide receiver. He has played wide receiver extensively in his career. He revived his career and sort of had that career metamorphosis, renaissance, whatever word you want to use, uh, in being changed over to the running back position. I think the Patriots did that first with him. So, you know, shout out to Bill Belichick for that. And the Chicago Bears really, like, took it to another level and laying it to a, a different level from there. But, you know, it, it, it is nice. They're going to mix him up like all over the place. They're going to line him up out wide. They're going to, you know, have him in the backfield. They may have him in the backfield, you know, with another running back, you know, sometimes as well. So, you know, it, it seems like they're going to utilize and try to maximize Cordero Patterson as much as possible to the best of his abilities, because I do think he is the best wide receiver among the three running backs on the team specifically because he's played, you know, wide receiver in the past. And we're going to see the bulk of the carries going to Bijan and to Tyler Algier, of course. However, Arthur Smith being Arthur Smith, it would not shock me at all if they put him in there at around the goal line just to absolutely infuriate fantasy football players and Bijan Robinson owners. So I'm definitely, you know, I definitely would not be shocked if that happened as well. Oh, yeah. Big time, big time uh, touchdown vulture, Cordell Patterson. Uh which is probably in a weird way going to give all three Falcons running backs like standalone value just because it's like there's like a decent chance every single week that Patterson just scores a touchdown and that makes him a startable flex basically. So um, kind of interesting. I wonder if he goes back to like his first year in Atlanta where he had the the wide receiver and running back tags uh, or maybe they have to make a new just they just label him as a flex and he can just play anywhere. Uh, but that's basically what they're doing. So it's interesting. Um, yeah. Anybody else have? Uh, Cordero Patterson Joker takes before we move on to the other players on the injury report. I, I have thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think it's definitely a bit because it goes back to Arthur Smith and his uh, continued uh, needling, I guess you could say, of D-Led, um, you know, and, and D-Led being the master of the depth charts. And I think at a presser last week, Arthur Smith, it was like, how do you have Cordero Patterson third string? And so I think he's just basically doing this as part of the continued, you know, I don't, I wouldn't call it a war because it's, it's more playful um, between Arthur Smith and, and D-Led going back to the, you know, fine that he gave him um, on the, on the opening day of, of training camp when, when D-Led, I guess, was still on vacation and all that stuff. So I, I think that's really where it comes from. But as Adnan said, like, I don't think we're, you know, I don't think this, position switch we we should call it you know to the joker is you know some new wrinkle that arthur smith is adding to the offense we've seen cordero patterson line up at running back we've seen him line up at wide receiver we've seen him line up at tight end uh, occasionally i think you'll see him do more of that this year for all the reasons that adnan said just because you know they have running backs they have tight ends they have wide receivers but CP is the guy that they can move at multiple positions and find ways to utilize him in a variety of ways and 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 really take advantage of that while you're focusing on Bijan or Pitts or London, you know, you still got to worry about that playmaker that CP is that he has been uh, throughout these last two years when, when he has been healthy. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, you know, the gist of it. And yeah. who knows, maybe Arthur Smith goes out there and lines up at wide receiver. Like, did you see the video coming out of practice yesterday? That was some inspired route running. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and who, do you, who do you think could uh win that matchup arthur smith going up against the uh <laughs> cornerback skills of, of kyle shanahan you know he, he snagged that interception kyle shanahan did pick up the mvp that yeah, year so. yeah i don't know that's tough i mean arthur smith's got looks like he's got that veteran savvy to him but i think kyle shanahan might be sneaky athletic so i'm not really sure uh Who's going to win that battle? That's a tough one. That's a tough one to pick. I think Arthur Smith's best bet would be uh, some yak right there. You know, maybe yep, yep. a short bet. And then, you know, I think he can run run all over Kyle Shanahan. He, he seems yeah. to have a height and weight advantage there. Yeah, he's got that big frame. He could probably truck truck Kyle Shanahan, who, you know, a little more a little more slim. A little more slim. Uh, so, yeah, we well, I think we had – oh, go ahead, Dave, if you had a thought there as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I think, you know, 
to Aaron's point, it is definitely a bit, right? Like he wanted to, I, I, there's a couple coaches in the NFL who really just chafe at the depth chart thing, I think in general, like we saw all four Philly running backs listed as first string um, today, I think it was too. So, you know, Two Arizona quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to com- keep the competitive advantage there <laughs> for Arizona. So, oh yeah, um, great advantage. It also does describe, you know, it describes Patterson's role, right? Like they are going to use him in as many ways as possible, and they should. That's the best use for him at this point. If you can't give him bulk carries, or you're not going to use him as one of your your top receivers all the time. So, just getting him involved in a lot of different places, and uh, you know, it led to a day of uh, fun memes and so forth. So. You know, it's a win-win in my book. If Arthur Smith wants to start screwing around with the depth chart and making up new positions and dropping guys up and down just to create controversy, I, I do support it. So if he's out there and hearing this, you know, go nuts. Go nuts. Go nuts. Yeah, no, I think Moonstar chimed in as well with the $5 saying that he agrees with with uh, Aaron that he thinks Coach Smith labeled him as the Joker just to mess with D-Led because uh, they're, they're back and forth. And he enjoy he also enjoys Arthur Smith's sense of humor. I mean, it's fun. Yeah, like it. I hope I hope things go well and we can continue to see fun Arthur Smith because dejected Arthur Smith is, is a lot less fun. So it, it, just being dejected in general, you know, for all of us, we can we can sympathize like it's, it's just not very much fun. So um, but yeah, Dave, sticking with you, any of the guys on the injury report do, that you have concern about? I mean, it seems like. Patterson and Hodrick trending towards playing. Johnny Smith's supposed to be just rest, but the big question mark seems to be Okuda. So how are you sort of feeling about the guys that are listed right now? Yeah, I think, you know, Okuda is the guy that you would you would love to see out there. Like, I've been, you know, hopeful that he'd be healthy for week one, but it did always seem a little bit unlikely. So, like you, I'm not expecting him to play uh, this week. It would be really nice to have him back. A week from now um, against Green Bay receiving four that actually is pretty banged up too. So the Falcons are catching some early luck here, but still, um, hopefully we'll see him soon. Um, obviously, that's to me the biggest absence there, but everybody else seems to be trending to play, even if they're a little bit limited. So, you know, no great concern there. Um, I, I do hope that we can see Patterson out there in particular, but um, this is a, a fairly healthy team trending in the right direction against the team they should beat. So I have not a lot of complaints or worries, which is kind of new to me. I'm a little freaked out by it, but I'm working <laughs> on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit dicey, but I think I think the the line on this game of it's still minus three and a half uh, for the Falcons over the Panthers, I think sort of also, like, I think on paper, especially with the preseason the Panthers had, it, this was some a game you'd probably expect to see a bigger line in, but I think, like, people just don't trust the Falcons to win this season opener because they haven't won one in like five years. So I think they're just like, oh, we don't really want to like bet on them doing it. Like they probably should, but you know, we don't really want to bet on it. So, you know, I think, I think this line should probably be a little bit bigger. Um, So if you're, if you're the betting type, you know, it's a good opportunity for you to probably get the Falcons at better odds than you would normally get. But um it's a little bit always a little bit dicey in week one because week one's also just prone to madness in general. So it is, it could be literally anything can happen and it wouldn't shock me, but they do need to win this that, game. That's fair. But it's like the, I think you, you have a point, you have a really good point that it really is just purely stigma at this point of, Oh, it, you know, it's, it's the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they've been losers for the past few years and they have, but, I mean, just looking at the circumstances surrounding this game, it's Bryce Young's first game. I'm, I know Bryce Young is, you know, he's great. He's the first overall pick, but it's his first game ever. You know, he has a fourth-round rookie as his left guard in this game. The Panthers' O-line is pretty mediocre as it is. Miles Sanders isn't him. Um, their, their wide receiver core is absolutely just in tatters right now. I think Jonathan Mingo is their only, like, healthy wide receiver at this point. Brian Burns may or may not play like this. I think this, it would be completely unacceptable for the Falcons to not win this game. I mean, even if Burns plays like this feels like the most important home game or the most important season opener for the Falcons in in a long time. And I know that, you know, it's easy for us to go into every single year and saying, Oh, this is the most important, like, you know, season opener, but it legitimately feels like it like this year. Because, you know, all the hype, all the expectations surrounding this team, 
you know, the team never being above 500 for five straight years. You're playing at home. You're playing an overmatched division rival. I know anything can happen, but it's like, you know, if they lose this game, it'll almost feel like same old Falcons. Mm-hmm. It'll almost feel like, all right, like none of that like really mattered, all that hype, you know, leading up to it. At the end of the day, it's just psychologically like we went out there and we fucked it up again when we, you know, really should have won this game. So, you know, it's just that mental hurdle of you have to finally get above 500 for once since 2017. Like it's been over a thousand days since this team has been above 500. Like you have to, you have to take that step. You have to do that. And if you don't do it here, you know, then all the pressure's on for that Packers game. Then after that Packers game, you have two of your toughest games, in my opinion, of the season with the, you know, the Lions and the Jaguars on the road. So it, it, it can really get kind of nasty if you lose this game that you really, really need to win this week. Yeah, this is a really important game. And for all the reasons you said, um, they just they need to find a way to win this game. Um, you know, really important in like the win loss record thing. Like, sure. I mean. It's a division game, so obviously it's important to get as many division Ws as you can for tiebreaker purposes and for playoff purposes and all that. So it's important than most other games for that reason. But for, it's really a psychological necessity that they win this game, and we'll, we'll definitely continue to touch on that. I do want to get to the Panthers report real quick before we move on because we've mentioned it. Panthers have four of their six receivers on this injury report. My um, receiver, Amir Smith-Marset, was listed as a full participant coming off his ankle injury, so... You know, he's probably going to play. Adam Thielen was a new addition to the injury report with a limited with a hamstring injury today. He's like their de facto wide receiver at one, basically. Uh, wide receiver Terrace Marshall limited with a back injury. Say, uh, we also have wide receiver DJ Shark, who was supposed to be their number two, uh, with as a DNP still recovering from his hamstring injury. So his status seems to be in serious doubt. Uh, in addition to that, we had safety Sam Franklin Jr., who was limited with a knee. I think he's one of their like core special teams guys. And then uh, defensive end Deshaun Williams, DNP with an illness. So, you know, probably assuming he recovers, he'll be back in time for the game. But he is listed as a starter on their depth chart on the interior. So they're they're pretty banged up heading into week one. And most of those injuries coming at wide receiver, this is, a you know, a good for the Falcons to be down a corner. You know, it may maybe it won't matter so much if the Panthers are trotting out, you know, Jonathan Mingo, a rookie wide receiver who I think we all liked and like we're on the let's draft Jonathan Mingo train, but we liked him as like, maybe he can be our wide receiver too and sort of grow into that role, you know, over the years, whereas the Panthers seem to be throwing him out there to be wide receiver one in his first NFL game. Um, it's looking pretty, pretty desolate out there. Uh, Aaron, what what do you think about the state of this Panthers receiving core? I mean, it, it, it looks pretty dire uh, right now. Yeah, um, you know, I, I've heard Adam Thielen's probably going to play. I think it's a little bit more of a toss-up for Chark and um, Terrace Marshall. But, uh, you know, I think Adam Thielen's kind of washed at this point in his career. So, like, even if Adam he Adam Thielen play, with a hamstring? I mean, that, what does that look like? As someone know. who took Adam Thielen in fantasy football, no, he's not. <laughs> okay. Good luck with that one, Adnan. Um, so, uh, you know... You know, they still have LaVisca Chenault. Uh, and while normally I wouldn't be too worried about LaVisca Chenault, I have seen LaVisca Chenault take a screen pass and for like 30 yards against the Falcons defense. So yep. I will never put anything past the Falcons falconing, you know, when it comes to yes. this sort of thing. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I think obviously this is this is a problem for Carolina. They already had a questionable wide receiver core, I'm sure. You know, there's a Panthers podcast talking about the Falcons, questionable wide receiver core, all that stuff and more. But it is a, a situation where, like, you're not really putting Bryce Young in a position to succeed, given what Adnan was talking about earlier. They already have some question marks on the offensive line. And if, you know, I think if when we talk about the matchup for the Falcons, like if the Falcons, you know, if Desmond Ritter for once in his life will get off to a fast start in a football game, that would be nice to sort of put, the Panthers on their heels a little bit. Falcons can kind of stop the run and just kind of make the Panthers a little bit more one-dimensional. Given their question marks on the offensive line, can they protect Bryce Young? Given the concerns at the wide receiver position, that's the scenario where I'm imagining where this game could really, really favor the Falcons. I think 
otherwise, like I, I do think that these two teams are relatively evenly matched. So, you know, I'm not necessarily feeling the same way that you guys are that, you know, the Falcons should, you know, maybe run away with this game in any sense. But it is one of those things where, like, I do think there is a there is a scenario where this game breaks very favorably for the Atlanta Falcons. And a lot of it is, you know, make Carolina throw the football. And then who are you throwing the football to because of all these injuries? It doesn't look good for Carolina. You know, I, I don't know. I've, you know, I've seen the Carolina Panthers beat the Falcons by not refusing to throw the football with Chris Winkie in the lineup. I don't know if that formula will work just throwing nothing but screens to LaVisca Chenault. So I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that that is not a winning formula for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, thankfully, Falcons killer Dante Foreman isn't, isn't on this team anymore because, you know, he absolutely ran all over the Falcons in the last matchup. Yeah, that was a bizarre decision on their part because I I can't be the only one that felt like Deontay Foreman was, like, better than Miles Sanders last year. And they just basically kicked Deontay Foreman out for Miles Sanders, who they paid a ton of money to. He got, like, one of the biggest running back contracts of the offseason, which, again, bizarre decision. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I also feel like with this Panthers team and this Frank Reich offense, it's really kind of in a uniquely bad situation because Frank Reich likes to throw the football. Frank Reich, you know, he got, they got this young quarterback and they got these receivers, but it's like, well, the receivers are hurt and the offensive line, which I think is the biggest point of concern here for the Panthers. The offensive line looked awful in the preseason. Um, and we've seen that happen to the Falcons and that translated to awful offensive line play for the Falcons in the regular season as well. And that was with a veteran in Matt Ryan, who basically had found a way to get around bad offensive line play. How good does how well does Bryce Young handle it? And the other side of that coin is obviously the Falcons need to have a pass rush to take advantage of the Panthers' bad offensive line. But Dave, how do you feel about that matchup? You know, we got all these new pieces in here. We got this new look defense. I don't think any of us are expecting a miraculous turnaround, but you've got a Panthers team with maybe some wide receivers missing and an offensive line that really seems to be struggling to gel. Do you think this is an opportunity for the the Falcons' pass rush to start off the year with a bang? Yes, which is why they won't do it. Um, but <laughs> Well, then we, last we, year, right, they had like five sacks in week one and didn't have any for like weeks after that. <laughs> that's true. That's true. You know, I, I am I am probably, I found myself as, as a big-time pessimist on a couple different shows over the last week um, about the Falcons' pass rush, relatively speaking. It's going to be better. The defense in general is going to be better. I'm not convinced it's going to be any great shakes. Um, so I think... This is the kind of matchup they should take full advantage of. I think they will take some advantage of it. I just don't expect it to be like a five, six sack game where they're like, you know, squashing Bryce Young even shorter than he already is, um, that kind of thing. So I, I don't I don't see that happening. What I do think is, you know, what gives me so much optimism maybe for this game is Carolina's offense to me does not look like cohesive it doesn't look like it fits together at this point with the injuries with some of the new faces with how difficult it is to get everything off the ground as a new coaching staff with a rookie quarterback with a rookie wide receiver in your starting lineup with a rookie on your offensive line so to me Carolina's not in great shape offensively uh, and I you know there's a creeping sense of dread as we keep saying these things because I haven't broken that habit yet but um this should be a matchup that definitely favors the Falcons. I, I do think the defense will show pretty well. I, I don't expect the dominant effort from the pass rush, but I don't think ultimately that that's going to kill this team. I, I just think Carolina cannot do enough, assuming the Atlanta offense is up to snuff in this one, to win this game. So, again, creeping sense of dread, going to let it go. It's a new season. We got this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the big concern is, like, can the Falcons pass rush – finish plays uh you you expect the panthers to to i mean they should know right like they know who ryan nielsen is he hasn't coordinated defense before this uh like as as the face of the defense but if it's anything like new orleans defenses they're expecting a lot of blitzing they're expecting a lot of you know four man four two five looks and things like that so they'll probably say we're going to try to run the ball with miles sanders and then we're going to try to get rid of the ball quick to take advantage of these blitzes and so I hope the Falcons, you know, 
can can find a way to, to neutralize what the Panthers are going to try to do to take advantage of their defensive tendencies. But, you know, it is a rookie quarterback, so you, you got to think they want to rattle him. And if the receivers aren't up to snuff, maybe you feel like you can be more aggressive and get away with it because the receivers aren't necessarily going to be, you know, I think you feel pretty good about AJ Terrell matched up against anybody the Panthers have to shut that guy down. So really it's whoever's starting opposite Terrell and, you know, D Alford in the slot. I mean, I feel pretty good against him, even against a healthy Adam Thielen at this stage of Thielen's career. So, um, and then you've got, you know, this is our first chance to really see it. Like we need to see this great safety blanket and Jesse Bates that can maybe open them up to, to be more aggressive up front, send those blitzes because you got Bates lurking behind to be able to, to erase any mistakes that might happen. So, you know, I think this is a game that we definitely could see the Falcons defense take over. I also think it's really important for like what Aaron was saying, like this is a, a game where the Falcons need to start quickly because you need to get the Panthers on the back foot allow your offense to be able to do what you want to do and not allow the Panthers on the same token to pin their ears back and try to get after you. Obviously we don't know if Brian Burns is going to play. I mean, I would kind of be surprised if he didn't, you know, I think they probably just need to get that deal done. But if, I mean, now that Bose has gotten paid, like is Burns like, okay, well now I really need to get paid or I'm not going because they just paid their guys. So what are you guys doing? I don't know. But, um, you know, I think flipping over to the offensive side, the Falcons, like what Aaron was saying, I think, it is really important to get off to that fast start, um, which obviously they will be trying to do. I believe they were one of the slowest starting offenses in the NFL last year. I think their first quarter points, their first quarter like point differential was like the worst or one of the worst in the NFL. They were like minus 40 or something. So it was not a great setup last year based on the way this team was built to, to be losing the first quarter. So I think they need to make that more of an emphasis this year. But Adnan, do you think... They got a chance to to start fast in this game. I mean, the, the Carolina Panthers' defense, on paper at least, still looks like it's pretty good. Um, yeah. I mean, I I don't see why not. I think they, I think they will try to go out there. I, it wouldn't even surprise me if the Falcons went out there and like decided to receive if, if they won the coin toss because they they want the ball first, even though it is you know, smarter analytically to, to kick the ball away. But that's that's another conversation entirely. Um. I definitely think the Falcons are going to go out there. They're going to try to establish the run. Um, they didn't really have a, a lot of success. They had no success, actually, in, in last year's matchup, uh, second matchup against the Panthers, establishing the run because, you know, but that game was super weird in the rain and in a torrential downpour on Thursday Night Football, and Marcus Mariota just couldn't do anything. Um, but I, I definitely don't see why the Falcons, you know, can't go out there and, and, you know, get off to a fast start. I'm sure that'll be emphasized by Arthur Smith. They're going to mix in a lot of play actions, um, especially early on in the game after establishing that run. And, you know, I, I think, I, I think they're, they're in line with Aaron's mentality here of you want to get out to that lead and you want to make it difficult for the Panthers to establish their own run game. You want to make it. You want to make them more of a passing team. You you want Bryce Young to drop back. Uh, you want those wide receivers to run routes with Jonathan Mingo being the only healthy one out there. And you know it, this this legitimately could come down to who gets off to a better start um, because you sort of will take away what the other team likes to do. Both of these teams really want to run the football. Uh, this could be a very you know short game regarding you know time wise you know it's it kicks off at 1 p.m and this could be the first 1 p.m game to finish because of how much that clock may be running but yeah i definitely do hope that the falcons go out there and you know actually put up a first quarter touchdown like you know that's something that we didn't really see much of last year yeah i think that would be big for their chances in this game and aaron kicked the same question to you i mean how do you feel about the falcons matching up against caroline's defense which should should be the strongest part of their team i'm thinking but i mean i i hear a lot of complaints from panthers fans about how the defense looked in the preseason you know i'm sure that we didn't see the starters that much but how do you feel about that unit at this stage well i think if you're a panthers fan this is the thing you got to feel good about Right. Because like, you know, you have a healthy J.C. Horn and you feel like, okay, this is exactly why we drafted J.C. Horn, you know, ninth overall 
you know, a couple of years ago to, to go up against a, a physical wide receiver like a Drake London. And so you're hoping that he can kind of neutralize that. And then, you know, I, I guess you figure, you know, Dante Jackson will just like annoy Matt Collins. Like there, there's a big size disparity between those two guys. But like, you know, I guess that works out, <laughs> you know, somehow in their favor. You know, I'm, I'm not expecting, you know, if I'm a Panthers fan, I wouldn't be too worried about Matt Collins going off for like, eight catches and 120 yards in this game. That, that's basically what I'm saying. So, um, you know, I, I feel like you, you feel pretty good about that. We've seen Brian Burns, you know, have some dominant games against Caleb McGarry in the past in this Falcons offensive line. It hasn't been quite the same the last couple of years. You know, that's owed to McGarry being a little bit better and, and maybe Burns not necessarily taking his game to the next level, which would allow the Panthers to, to back up the Brinks truck was you know why they're hard negotiating with him they're like hey maybe we maybe we need to see a little bit more to see if that you know number switch to agent zero you know <laughs> boost those numbers a little bit so that we can pay you all the money but i don't know um but like i think other than that you know Derek brown terrorized the falcons interior offensive line last year in the in the both of these matchups you have a rookie starter at left guard for the falcons that is you know looked promising in the preseason but didn't really get enough reps to to really feel super confident about. So I think if you're the Panthers and then you have like Shaq Thompson, who, you know, is a good coverage linebacker. So, you know, other teams might be, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that Shaq Thompson is going to shut down Cordero Patterson or Bijan Robinson, but you don't feel like that is as unfavorable a matchup for you as it might be for, you know, another team that has like Zach Cunningham or Paul Warlow starting for them at linebacker. Sorry for Paul Warlow catching strays. I know he's a friend of the show, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Uh, so like, I, I think if you're a Panthers fan, you feel pretty good about a lot of these matchups, you know, Justin Houston coming home to Georgia, you know, maybe showing out for the home crowd, all that stuff. I know that's going to be personally devastating to Dave because he's been pining for Justin Houston to be in Atlanta Falcon for the last 12 years. Um, so like, I think, not to sit here and say that the, the Panthers defense is going to shut down the Falcons, but going back to what Adnan said, like there is a, there is a real possibility that like the Falcons don't get off to the fast start because that Panthers defense does all of these things, checks all the boxes that they could possibly check. And then that allows Carolina's offense. If they get off to a, a relatively slow start to kind of stay more in the game and be able to play, the style of offense that they want to be, which as Adnan said, you know, Frank Reich, you know, even though he has his reputation, you know, he was a quarterback, but those Indianapolis Colts teams were primarily running teams. And you definitely don't want to start Bryce Young's career like Cam Newton's career started in Carolina, where he's throwing the ball 50 times in his NFL debut. Um, you know, you want to have him throw the ball like 20 times and, and be able to win that type of game. So I think, that's going to be sort of the key matchup. Can the Falcons get off to a fast start against a pretty good Panthers defense that relatively speaking does have some favorable matchups against some of their key players. Um, so like, I think that's going to be where it all matters. If the Falcons can kind of neutralize some of those key players, if Bijan can, you know, cook Shaq Thompson, like he cooked, Troy Anderson in practice a couple of those times that will be beneficial if Mac Hollins can you know sort of dunk on Dante Jackson on a couple of third downs to keep those drives alive and then of course if the Falcons can convert in the red zone and you know actually block Derek Brown for once because you know Arthur Smith once we get inside the 10 he's going to run the football right you know he's going to take the ball out of Desmond Ritter's hands as much as possible if he can run it in with CP and CP is absolutely money inside the 10-yard line when it comes to running the football. So there's your, your touchdown vaulter. So I, I think there's ways where it could go either way for either team in this matchup. So I think that's going to be what the game kind of boils down to. Can the Falcons get off to a good start and their key pieces assert themselves? Or does Carolina just have enough to sort of keep their offense in the game? And all of a sudden we're in the fourth quarter, five minutes left to go. And, you know, it's a young way coup, Eddie Pinheiro, sort of battle. I, I feel pretty good about Koo in that situation, but you know, who knows? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, it's tough to predict. And like we said, week one is always just super wonky in general. Um, you know, I sort of feel like 
the Panthers sort of need their their running game to to take some of the load off of Bryce Young, and that's probably why they went out and gave Miles Sanders that contract. Now I'm on record as saying that's that was a bad decision to get Miles Sanders to do that, uh, because he was the most uh, offensive line dependent running back in the NFL per many advanced stats, and it's a little bit weird, right? Because I think the Panthers' offensive line to close out last year was actually like surprisingly good. Like they had some. They had started to really come together. Iki Aquanu had started to improve after sort of a lackluster start. Um, but you fast forward to to this offseason, Iki Aquanu seems to have taken a big step back. He was basically getting worked every single week in the preseason. Austin Corbett still out at right guard and will be for several more weeks. Bradley Bozeman really struggled. Um, I know he missed time for them last year and came back, and he doesn't appear to be looking too hot. And then Brady Christensen has never been particularly good for them either. So you basically, you've got Taylor Moton, who's still good. Like, I mean, we all know Taylor Moton is, is good, but you've got a running back that you paid a ton of money to, 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 to run behind your offensive line. That's all of a sudden not as good as you hoped. And I just think that's a recipe for not good things. And you look at the Panthers running backs in the preseason in general. And again, this is the preseason. So whatever, but the only guy to average more than four yards to carry in a game was Spencer Brown. And that was in the final week of the preseason against the Jets where the Panthers were shut out 27 to zero. They didn't crest four yards per carry with any of their other running backs, including when the starters played um, quite a bit in the second preseason game. Miles Sanders notably did not play. Um, he missed most of the training camp of preseason with an injury. So, you know, that's something to, to monitor too, but I don't know. I, I personally just, I'm not afraid of Miles Sanders. Like, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know what you guys think about Miles Sanders. I've just been trashing, man. I'm sure he's very nice and, and you know, <laughs> but I just feel like he's just like super mid running back that they gave 6 million a year to. So yeah. I feel the but, same way, Kevin. If you need yeah. assurances that you're not on a Miles Sanders trash is trash okay. Island, you know, Good. I don't think he's trash, but like, no, no, I, I do agree with you. Like he, he fit really well in Philadelphia given their read option run game and, and arguably having what a top two or three offensive line in foot in football. You know, I don't think that's really something that Carolina is going to do a ton of this year with Bryce Young, you know, and <laughs> I hope then, not. <laughs> even, then, then the question marks that we're, we've been talking about all night with the offensive line. So, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you passing, letting Dante Foreman walk for relative pities to Chicago or wherever he wound up didn't make a ton of sense plus i'm i'm also not a huge chuba hubbard fan either so like it would have made if you brought in miles sanders and kept dante foreman we'd be having a very yeah. different conversation yeah. here but like to roll with miles sander and, and chuba hubbard it's like okay good luck yeah. with that also does not catch the ball which is bizarre like i don't know why you'd go out and pay a guy to not be a three down running back uh because he only he caught 20 passes last year which not not a small number of passes, but for 78 yards, which, for the record, is 3.9 yards per reception, which is, that is the lowest yards per reception I've ever seen, to be completely honest. Uh, so, not a receiver. Uh, and I, I believe they were talking in the offseason about how they wanted to get him more involved in the passing game. I'm like, mm. I don't, I don't, I don't think that means what you think it means. Uh, I would not recommend, <laughs> I would not recommend that strategy, but um, always a guy that's averaged a healthy arts per carry on the ground, but it's been behind Philly's offensive line, who we know is the best, you know, maybe, maybe the Falcons will challenge this year for the run, the best run blocking. I mean, I don't think they'll catch the Eagles in terms of pass blocking anytime soon, but um, you know, it, it's, uh, I just, I think that they went out and got that fit there and they paid all that money because they they knew that they needed to have a running game to lean on to take the pressure off of young and i just don't think that's going to happen um i'm also on record as thinking that the falcons run defense is gonna be really good so this maybe could be an opportunity where maybe it's not the pass rush that that keeps the panthers offense in check maybe it's the run game shuts down what they want to do on the ground forces the panthers to be one-dimensional and maybe the pass rush pass defense isn't as good but if they can hone in on the pass game maybe that'll let them sort of neutralize a little bit better um, but yeah, I, I just want to get Dave's thoughts on this as well. I mean, that Falcons matching up against the Panthers offense, Panthers matching up against the Falcons offense, Dave, any, any overall takeaways on how you feel like this one might go? No, I mean, I think despite the uneven results a year ago, Carolina is a good defense. Um, obviously there is tremendous talent at every level of that defense. 
between Shaq Thompson, between J.C. Horn, between Derek Brown, who haunts my nightmares personally after last year. Um, so, you know, this is it, it is a tricky matchup for them. And to circle back to something that Aaron mentioned earlier, um, the slow start is actually the thing I'm most worried about in this game because I remember researching this earlier in the offseason and writing a little bit about it. But like Desmond Ritter historically has started slow. It's just something that he does. And this offense started slow all last year. They were much, much worse in the first half than the second half. They were a below average offense in almost every metric in the first half of games. And they were an above average offense in the second half of every game. So to me, that's kind of the recipe for disaster here is you you get off to a slow roll, you have a turnover, you have a couple of unproductive drives, the Panthers grind out some scores, and now you have to catch up. And like on paper, this team should be able to do that. But Carolina does have a good defense and, you know, you, you don't know how that's going to go. So that is really my biggest concern for this game is that they will come out slow and flat and not just because we're going to reignite the preseason starters debate, which I got sick of almost instantly, but because it might lead to poor results in the game. So I, I do think this offense, um, is good enough to overcome Carolina, certainly. Like, they're not an elite defense, but I do worry about that combination, right? Like, defense is good enough. Uh, Falcons' offense is a little slow. Maybe they're not quite good enough to slow down, you know, 70 short passes to Miles Sanders um, because that's specifically how they're going to go after the Falcons, of course. And uh, we end up with a problem. Yeah. No, that, that would not surprise me at all. And – you know, I think last year you look at the Panthers, you know, and I think they, they played the Falcons well, especially in that second game, which again was in a rainstorm. So, I mean, that's part of it, but sort of held Drake London in check, um, held Kyle Pitts in check. Well, I think Mark Mariota more than anything held Kyle Pitts in check. I just looked at the numbers for that game. Uh, Kyle Pitts was targeted eight times in that Panthers game and only had two catches. Uh that second and Panthers seven game. passes were uncatchable <laughs> one of them he caught somehow anyway he leapt up into the air uh but yeah so you know that it, it's not exactly a high bar to clear to to beat marcus mariota and i think that uh you know we'll see how the how the falcons handle this but um yeah that also the panthers don't have deontay foreman to to run for uh, 130 yards and a touchdown uh in theory so um yeah well we did get one last Donation here from Corey as we close things out with the $5. Thank you so much, Corey. He says, I ran the numbers 42 sacks this year. I said it. Put it on the board. I like that prediction, Corey. I tend to think it'll be more like 35. I think that's sort of where I'm landing. But I would love to get into the 40s. I can't remember the last time they had more than 40 sacks. There is an extra game. 2004. That's right. You looked into this. I feel like we had this discussion before. But, yeah. I'm going to say 35. Uh, with a really good run defense. And I think that's that's probably good enough to get this team as like to be like an average defense this year, which would be a mammoth step from where they used to be. So um, definitely a step in the right direction. I, but, I, I would uh, sign yeah. up right now for 40 sacks. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right, oh. You know, instantly. Like, I would take 35. <laughs> if I could guarantee 35 sacks today, I would say yes. Uh, My so. unofficial pr- prediction on Locked on Falcons was 37. Yeah, so we're, we're all in like kind of the same ish area there. Um, all right. Well, let's do, let's do a, a fun, you know, unofficial score prediction because we don't know the official in, injury report yet, but I'm curious where people's thoughts are. Dave, I'll let you, you take the first crack here. Where, where are you leaning on a score prediction for, for Sunday? I'm going to say 27 uh, 17 Falcons. So despite how gloomy I sounded at times, I'm realizing <laughs> I, I do think the Falcons win this one and win it fairly handily i just expect some early frustration so yeah yeah no that makes sense to me um yeah aaron what you got for for sunday i got a little closer i think it's 23 20 i think it's going to come down to the final possession i think every falcon game is probably going to come down (laughs) to the final possession and it's just how this team is always going to be like you know until we probably get to that arizona game like i don't know maybe maybe houston We'll, we'll see how they look this year, but I don't know if there's going to be a game where, you know, or let me say this until the Falcons show me that they're this team. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a team or a game where I feel like, Oh, they're going to handily win this game. I think everything we're going to still be 
having heart palpitations with five minutes to go in the game. We, we might have a two score lead going into, you know, it's just, it's same old Falcons. I like, you know, Arthur Smith, B. John Robinson, all that stuff. You can, you can change all you want, but uh, it, it's still the same old Falcons. So I, I think it'll be a close game. We'll get some young way coup magic in the fourth quarter, 23, 20. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as long as they win, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, uh, Don, what are you what are you thinking here? I'm gonna go 24-17 uh, victory. I also think it'll be a back and forth game. Um, probably one of those where the Falcons like tack on a field goal uh, near the end to make it a seven point game. And then Carolina has an opportunity with like you know less than two minutes left. You know the Philip Rivers special. You know you, you need to drive 80 yards. You have no timeouts need a touchdown um and it, you know what we'll, we'll, we'll be you know we'll be nervous about it but in the end i think the defense will come away with like a turnover on downs or something at that point but yeah i i think it'll be close um uh like like aaron said th- this is one of those where you know thinking in theory it should be a lot easier the team probably will make it a lot more difficult than it should be um, but at the end of the day, they'll pull it out. It'll be a massive psychological victory. They'll have a lot of momentum going into that Packers game. I think they'll, I think they'll win that Packers game too. My unofficial week two prediction. And, <laughs> right. you know, I, I, think we'll, I think we'll be sitting here at two and zero, and just, you know, the world will be at our feet. Yes, everyone will be very hyped for the Falcons if they start. 2-0. Everyone will be. Everyone will be super excited. People will probably be in Dave's mentions talking about, you know. Super Bowl, possible, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, talking about possible home field advantage throughout the playoffs, you know, maybe a bye week when we're when we're at two and zero. Oh, but um, <laughs> number one, yeah, seed, yeah. one and oh. I'm I'm just gonna say this: if they go one and zero, oh, people will be doing that. Like if I oh, say yeah, something mildly yeah. negative about the game, people will be like, "What's wrong with you, man?" Super Bowl, because that's that's what it was like at least five or six times last year, and even in 2021. So. Dave's just I'll, a hater. Yeah. Love every minute of it. Love every minute. <laughs> certified hater. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all just certified haters here. Oh, yeah. just, just a lot of negativity on the show right now. <laughs> yes. Well, I also had 2417 is probably going to be what my prediction is. And same thoughts as to all you guys. I think that it's, you know, I do. I Part of me thinks that the Falcons will just sort of outplay the Panthers and the score will actually end up looking closer than the game actually was. But. Um, part of me thinks that it's going to come down to it. And then either the, either the Panthers, you know, are, are driving late and making us all sweat or the Falcons sort of add some points at the end to make, to give themselves a little bit of a cushion, but um, it's, it's week one. So it's even, it's, it's, I wouldn't predict anything more than like a one score game for the Falcons. And and I agree with what Aaron was saying. Like they got to show us that they can win by double digits before we start predicting it because they didn't do it. What did they do it once last year? I think that was it. Um, otherwise everything else was one score game. So, you know, it, it, I think they're capable of it with this new weaponry and, and, you know, hopefully Desmond Ritter being better than Mariota, but I, I think we need to see it first. So for now we're predicting one score victory margins uh, or, or less. So, um, but I, I do think they pull it off as well. So, you know, the Panthers, I think they have, uh, you know, some, I, I don't think they should necessarily feel like despondent about this game. Like they have no chance because they do certainly have a chance. Um, but I think if, if the Falcons come and play their game, I think they should win. So um, we'll see if they can do it. <laughs> now you just got to actually play the game and win it. You know, we, we've got all the offseason prognosticating done. We've got all the moves, everything settled. Now you just got to come in and win the actual games that count. So uh, excited to see it. Um Guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Before we take off, I want to remind you, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Live. if you want to support the show. Get those exclusive perks. Please like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. If you're listening to that podcast audio later, leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can also leave a tip at streamlabs.com slash slash tip. You can do those offline as well. We'll read them on the next show. Uh, and we are now officially into our in-season coverage schedule. So that'll start, uh, with a game preview on Friday. I'll be joined by, uh, Brian Beversluis from Cat Scratch Reader, old friend of the show, uh, to do our, our first game preview of the year. We'll be talking with him about the Panthers. And then of course we'll have our post game show on Sunday 
immediately following the game where we can hopefully talk about that big dub and uh, first winning record in God knows how long. So, um, guys, thanks again for tuning in. Before we take off, I want to thank our wonderful guests this evening. First of all, we have Aaron Freeman at Falcfans. He's the host of the Locked on Falcons podcast and a contributor of ours over at the Falcoholic. Aaron, anything you'd like to plug as we uh, get set for the first game of the season? I actually wrote something for uh, Falcoholic this week. So it's going to be about <laughs> the the Falcons defensive line, you know, going up against the offensive line, touching on some of the things that we talked about today, uh, as well as, you know, Ryan Nielsen attack aggressive thing. So look for that to drop at some point whenever Dave decides it's best for that to go out. And then uh, I guess we're doing name five Falcons again this year. So got to get that going. Uh, for the weekend <laughs> intriguing players to watch and of course check out locked on falcons uh, i think uh the crossover i did with the locked on panthers guys literally just dropped on youtube uh, as we're talking uh, so go check that out to get more insight into the carolina panthers if today's falcoholic live was was not enough for you um yeah that's that's basically it yeah if you need more of that sweet content definitely check out uh locked on falcons podcast as well also with us, Dave Choate at the Falcoholic himself. Dave, anything you'd like to plug from uh, our our just overflowing content catalog as we get set for this Panthers game? Well, Aaron's article uh, Friday morning. You should look for that. So, yeah, confirmation. Very yeah. excited about that. Good piece. Yeah. Um, but just you know, all of our all of our coverage um, from the team, I, I can see the excitement. People are are writing stuff like crazy. We're getting all amped up for the season here. So, uh, you know, stay tuned to the live show. Stay tuned to the site. We'll have a lot for you. Um, it's not just me making fun of Jake Hayner for getting suspended six games for PEDs. We have a lot else going on. So um, looking forward to our first fun winning season in a long time. So definitely stay locked on to that. Yes. We're going to keep, you know, pushing those positive vibes out there for sure. Also want to thank my co-host Adan Ikejat. Say which way, Adan? Anything you'd like to let the people know about? Oh uh, yeah, so um, I am re-upping my article series, looking at the series history and what if the Falcons win slash lose. Those will both be getting submitted sometime today or tomorrow, Dave. And you can just schedule those up for for whenever you know, whenever, whenever is best. And um, yeah, I uh, I also have a Michael Vick article uh, that that's that's going to be getting published tomorrow, uh, talking about you know uh, Michael Vick as a player from from his playing days. So you know, definitely uh, definitely check that one out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Check out all that great stuff, guys. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, like I said, lots of shows coming up for you guys this week also be tracking our picks and our picks uh, standings over at the site once again i'll be handling our five questions series where we talk with the other team i just got finished sending those back and forth with our panthers correspondent uh and i'll be having some other stuff for you guys throughout the the weeks as well so looking forward to that and of course looking forward to Watching some Falcons football on Sunday that will hopefully be good and, and fill us with warm, positive feelings and not depression. If we could avoid the depression for one week this year, I'd, I'd really appreciate that, Falcons. Like, can we please do that? For the, for the love of God. For the love of God, Falcons win. Thank you. Okay, uh, I'm done. I'm done. Um, yes. Guys, thank you again so much for tuning in tonight. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live. Have a great night, folks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.